Hi friends and welcome to episode 19 of Internal Budget. If you like the podcast, make sure to share it with your friends, rate it 5 stars, download and subscribe. Now for this episode we had a little bit of an audio malfunction, so the sound that you're getting is direct from my Skype call with my esteemed guest, so if I sound a little tinny or unusually awful, that's why. And yes, unfortunately, we're doing this again. He returns to the podcast this week. Please... Give it up for Matt Bosty, and please don't hold it against me. Okay, here we go again, Matt Bosty. What's hey, going? Bosty in the call. Let's go. <laughs> your, it's your boy Bosty. All right. Well, thanks for having me, Brandon. Thank you for coming back on. We got Matt Bosty on the line here on Internal Budget. What have you been doing these days, man? How you been keeping busy through all this quarantine? Uh, if you check my Twitter feed, pure nonsense. <laughs> uh, occasionally trying to rile people up and then just kind of getting lazy about it. That's the part that surprised me the most is I don't have the energy for these interactions that I used to love on twitter like i'm getting weird angry toronto fans and i'm just Uh-oh. like you know what i'm not even going to engage and that's not me so that's the first thing that i want to get back is get back to my cantankerous attitude and let's get some <laughs> people mad by saying someone's nostrils can inhale a pug or something <laughs> you know what it, it's kind of surprising eh? like even with a lack of this socialization you find yourself kind of drained like i've been finding that too you know what i mean like even worse, even something like texting back is like, ugh, it feels oh. like this big ordeal, you know? And don't get me wrong, like it's not like I don't want to socialize. I miss my family, I miss my friends like crazy. But it's it's just this weird vibe, eh? Like I, like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it's like you wake up and you just never like get that burst of energy of getting your day going. Yeah. Like, even after I chug my liter of coffee in the morning and then start act- working. It's just I'm always in that kind of groggy state of mind until I go to uh, go to bed again. Because mm-hmm. ev- it's every day is just the same, and that's uh, that's what I think is getting to me. But I'm I'm happy that uh, if this is the biggest thing I can complain about, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I'm honestly. pretty lucky. Pretty lucky out here. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. You know, like it sucks being down here in Toronto when you know all my Shout family. Shout out John Tory. Yeah, th- yeah, thanks, John. You, <laughs> you, you know what? Like, I, I try, I try not to get too political, but I, I feel like I gotta say something about this. So, this guy, the mayor of Toronto, um, you know, tweets yesterday about how there's too many people in the parks and everything like that. Um, he, you know, he's he's like, this is not acceptable. We're gonna be ticketing more people. And then today, somebody's Instagram <laughs> story gets posted, and he's taking selfies with people in the park. With his mask pulled down with around his, his chin. That's the part that gets me. Off. Like, <laughs> you know what? It's I, wild. I've always find you know, my main criticism of Mayor Tory has always been that he just seems to like getting his picture taken too much. <laughs> and I want to know who his PR person is that thought Kevin it was Melnick. a good 
Yeah, honest to God. <laughs> like, thought it was a good idea to go to Trinity Bellwoods when everyone with half a brain is blasting these people that have packed the park. The sun. And- yeah. The son who have been kind of like, uh, is this really necessary for the past month and a half? Yeah. Are, are, is blasting Trinity Bellwoods. And then you yeah. got John Tory out there. Oh, my God. The people, that have, yeah, the people that have been using the word draconian more than anything. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, like, I, I don't get it, you know. And this has been the problem, man. Like, it, that's the problem we're having in Ontario right now, and especially here in the GTA, is nobody knows what is acceptable and nobody knows what's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Like, nobody knows. We, we're all, apparently, we have the capacity to do 20, 21,000 tests a day. We're stuck at 11,000 right now, even, ca- even though cases are going up. Um, we have Doug Ford telling people not to go visit their families, and then he goes and visits his <laughs> uh, daughters, I think it was, on Mother's Day. Yep. Then he goes to the cottage. Right, like Where all these. He's also telling people don't go to the cottage. Yeah, Guys, and... you just hold off. And with these kind of like, ah, maybe we'll find out for this long weekend. And then it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, never mind. It's uh, it's, I, I guess it's kind of hard to say that it, to to criticize too much, just because this is such uncharted territory. Of for course, of course, the world. But it just feels like we're being told. It doesn't feel like anyone's being honest from the no. top down. And that's and, what's getting to me. Like, tell me if if it's gonna be done, like August, sure. Tell me yeah. to to just chill and not worry and just wait till August and we'll look there. Stop giving me these two weeks. Like, oh, well, let's uh let's see what's going on. And then you read these news stories, you see these pictures, and it's just it's so disheartening. Oh it's, man, like I I've been on board with the social distancing thing from the beginning, yeah. right? Like, and I and I still am. Sign me up. You know, I, I'm all over it. If that's what we need to do, that's what we need to do. But when you tell me that, you know, I can have my, my housekeeper or my gardener come back to my home or my babysitter, but I can't go see my parents, <laughs> what, how, does that, how does that make sense, right? Like I'm, like, I'm stuck in this shoebox apartment in Toronto, you know, not that I'm complaining, it's a nice place and everything like that. I'm grateful to be that lucky to have a place to stay right now, you know. But by the same token, it feels like, you know, and I hate to get into like a class thing here, but it's it it seems it seems like the rules are different for the people that are wealthy. Oh, absolutely. Right? Like they they can cut like you know have your babysitter or your housekeeper come in, and I'm and then there who's me the twenty the twenty almost twenty two year old student living in downtown Toronto. Oh well, isn't that a relief? You know, somebody can <laughs> somebody can come and clean my sixty square foot apartment. You know, but, I know you've been waiting. Like that's the part that's really getting to you. I know. Yeah, man. Well, like, you can you can look at it too for golf. Like I get it, golf is a really easy kind of sport for people to keep socially distanced and all that but it opened up basically before everything else perfectly in time for uh the long weekend to get member fees and everything back there is no way that that wasn't done uh kind of through a like hey guys we really want this opened up with uh with ontario i am 100 percent convinced i'm i'm happy that golfers can go out and hit a few balls enjoy themselves but it's kind of funny to see some of the people who are uh really really championing golf uh are the same people who have been uh fighting against any sort of like pedestrian lanes being opened up in ottawa yeah i don't know if you've uh you've followed some of those uh those stories but uh, and there's there's a couple of people i'm not going to name names who 
thought that it was absurd that they would open up pedestrian lanes because that will make people leave the house and go on walks. And it's like, okay, I kind of like, I see where you're coming from. You're wrong. Like yeah. it's <laughs> like yeah. let someone walk down a road. That's okay. And then you just see like 15 pictures of them uh, out at a golf course with people like three feet away from them. It's like, all right, I, I see people. I see it's like the class system that we were kind of going on. You don't understand that living in a tiny apartment, uh, you really want to get out. You want to stretch your legs. Yeah. Why not walk down Prince uh, or Queen Elizabeth Drive in Ottawa? Because for you, you have a big house and then you go out and play golf. Like it, it, I just don't think people understand what uh, like the people up top and the people who have the housekeepers who are so happy they can come back and clean their homes. Yeah. Uh, don't understand what it is to be stuck kind of in the in the small cubes the uh, the little spaces and not have that that ability to really kind of live yeah <laughs> live properly yeah it's impacting so many people in such different ways too yeah. and the other thing about the reopening that's the reopening of ontario that has been just bizarre is <laughs> you have the premier coming out and saying we're reopening you know we're ready we're going to keep an eye on it but we're ready and then you have uh, Dr. David Williams, who's the provincial health officer, saying, well, we need to get down to a place where we were averaging 200 daily cases at most to reopen. Right. So he's like, so I don't believe we're ready to reopen. So you have this mixed messaging. Meanwhile, you know, the, the premier's office just does not acknowledge that we're reopening anyway. <laughs> and and look, I don't want to, you know, dilute the importance of reopening the economy. I totally understand that, right? Like people have to work, people have to eat. I totally get that. I would love to go, to be able to go back to work. You know, I'm not in a situation where I can work from home and I, I would love to be able to go back to work and do it safely. But at the same time, my girlfriend's back to work right now and, and she's got, and she works in customer service, right? So she's with people face to face and there's only so much distancing you can do in certain environments, right? So now she has to be worried that she's going to be bringing this thing home, right? So, so it, it's just the mixed messaging is, is has been frustrating. Well, like, that's exactly it, and it's it, there's only so much one person can do to protect themselves when yeah. you take a look at Trinity Bellwoods or you take a look at people in parks. I'm not trying to just focus on Trinity Bellwoods. Those are shocking pictures, but it's happening kind of all across Ontario. For and sure. it's it's their choice to do that. But the problem is it's then they go out to a grocery store. They go mm -hmm. out to any customer service place and whatever's happening there, they're bringing into these places that are taking precautions, are being told to open, and then it's just going to spread. And that's, yeah. uh, that's the part that gets to me. And it doesn't matter. Like the economy, yeah, you got to get this kickstarted, but health health and people's lives are infinitely more uh, valuable than uh, getting some stock prices to jump up a little bit. For sure. And that's, and that's the frustrating component, right? Like is I, I don't, I, I don't want to go home until these cases go down. Right. Cause here in Toronto, we're just, we're smoldering. Like, yep. you know, like we're on, the city's on fire with new cases and it's, and it's every day. And then every day we have the vast majority. So for all I know, I'm walking around and I have this thing. You know, like, like I'm, tw I'm 22 years, I'm almost 22. Chances are I'm going to be asymptomatic for the most part if I have it. Right. So, so who knows, right? Like if I, and if I take the risk of bringing that home and I get my family sick, like that could have serious complications. Right. But it's almost getting to the point where it's like, you know, I'm almost wondering if I should just accept the risk and go because it's, when is thing it, because it doesn't seem like things are ever on track to improve right and it's <laughs> yeah, and like that's true and like if you're not going to tell me when i can go like i just 
you know, speaking towards the people in charge, if you're not going to tell me when or give me even at least an idea of when, like, I have to make that decision for myself, right? I'm not going to sit around for two years and, and wait, you know? I'm not going two years without seeing my family, you know? Like, it's just... If they, if they came up with an actual, like, chart that I could follow and they're like, hey, two years, I'm like, okay, you know what? At least this is tangible. Mm-hmm. It's not just a, uh, I'll wake up and see see what's being tweeted to be like, oh, this is the difference. But thank God my house cleaner can come in. For sure, yeah. And look, <laughs> people are human. Even if they did yeah. come out and say it's two years, like, I don't expect everyone no. to do that, you know? Like, you know, that's, that's, that's a long time, but just an idea would be nice. And, you know, you factor that in with everything that's going on on the hockey side of things with the NHL. Say, yeah. yeah it's trying a good to, uh, transition because good how, little many, segue. <laughs> yeah. how many tweets have we seen a uh, decision to be made in the next couple of days, uh, a month or two ago. <laughs> yeah. And, and we've talked about this before, but I don't see, you know, I want playoff hockey. You know, I want the NHL to come back. Like, I'm not in the camp of just shut it down because there's no way to do it safely. I think there's a way you can do it safely. I think it can be done. Um, I also think that people don't realize uh, the position NHL or the the NHL is in. They have to finish the playoffs. You mean financially? Financially, exactly. Yeah, I'm not saying that they're going to be ruined if they don't, but the amount of money that's left on the table with television contracts and all a whole bunch of other stuff, if they don't have some sort of playoffs, it would it will take like a decade to recoup the losses. Right. And again, I know we're going back to uh, money versus. Uh, lies but i also think that there is a way of minimizing risk to a point where this is something that's easily feasible these locations yeah it kind of sucks that they're not there these hockey players are going to be away from their families isolated and stuff for some of them up to a month Mm. uh but it's kind of what the world is going through right now they're not immune to to that either but what really hurts me are these teams on or these players on ottawa and san jose and these teams that have no chance are forced to be in this kind of lurch situation yeah like let them go home to europe let mm-hmm. these these overseas players go home or, and and know that they don't have to pack it up and come back in for like three pointless games or something like that just give them something that they can uh, they can plan around and that goes for the these kids being drafted as well can you imagine Marco Rossi right now out in Austria? He oh just has God. to sit on his hands. He mm-hmm. has no clue. Like, oh, is he going to have to figure out whether he can make an NHL team in October while still trying to make commitments to, to Europe hockey? Like, it, uh, it, that's the part that gets me mad. And it's these teams that are trying to cause a fuss and be like, oh, the lottery isn't fair. Oh, Montreal shouldn't be in the playoffs. They shouldn't because they suck, but I also yeah. think it's going to be hilarious to watch them lose two games and like <laughs> the quickest feeling games ever. Can't wait. Carey Price, you're a fraud. Uh, wow. I think Carey Price is a great goalie, but yeah. Montreal is a terrible <laughs> team. Uh, but they have to just let this happen. Like these, The longer that these teams are causing fuss and kind of trying to throw a wrench in the gears the worst is going to be in the long run they just need to let this draft happen it should have happened the the draft should have been announced at the start of may it's absurd to me that it's may 24th right now and the draft has not taken place or the the lottery hasn't taken place no uh there should be something already kind of i guess now we know about the uh, 2014 playoffs and the play-ins uh 
But it's crazy to me how long this has taken because I don't think there's been any sort of growth in what was originally pitched on either side. It has just come down to the same things, which is there's going to be a lot of teams and there might be a play-in round. There have to be three weeks. Three weeks to to say the same thing over and over and over, and we still have nothing official. They have to be stuck on the lottery part of it. That that has to be it, right? Like you have to think that these teams that are going to be in the 2014 play-in are fighting for a spot in a lottery, which is nonsensical to me. You know, if you have a if you have a chance, it, it, it's to a point now where you have to consider this play-in to be the playoff to be part of the playoffs, right? So if you have a chance to make the playoffs and play for the Stanley Cup, why 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 do you get a spot in the lottery too? Well, I don't understand yeah. why they don't do a tiered lottery. The seven teams that can't play, and yeah, you know what? There's a bit of bias here, uh, for sure, with with me wanting Ottawa to get some good stuff. But of course, yeah. Uh, but if you have, why not the seven teams have their own lottery right now? Whatever kind of uh, weighting you want to do, mm-hmm. then the teams in the playoffs have their other lottery for after the seventh pick, because. I- like it's the same sort of thing. It's like you're playing into either the lottery or the playoffs. Right. It, but some teams don't have an option of that at all, thankfully, because I don't think I could stomach any more Ottawa Senators hockey after this. No. I, <laughs> Not I that I wouldn't mind, but it's just can you imagine if we still have to watch the Senators play five to ten meaningless games? Yeah, after two months of two, three months of inactivity, yeah, it would be horrible. It'd be horrendous. <laughs> Like even, hilarious, but. Yeah, even those play-in rounds are going to be horrendous hockey, probably. But, but yeah, I, I don't mind that. Like, my thing is, you can't have your cake and eat it, too, right? Like, I've seen people campaigning for these play-in teams to have a shot at the lottery. And it's like, well, there's a clear divide here between the teams that are eligible to play into the playoffs and the teams that are not even going to play games again until October. Right. Like there's a clear divide between the Detroit Red Wings and the Ottawa Senators and the New York Rangers and the Montreal Canadiens. Right. Like Montreal, as you know, as I I have to agree with you in that they're not a great team, but they're still miles ahead of Ottawa right now. And we saw that this year. Right. Ottawa, Ottawa caught them sleeping. I think it was the one game where Brady won it in overtime. But other than that, man, like. We really didn't see, like, especially that last time they played each other. I think it was in January or February. It was the one where in Ottawa where Shabbat got hurt in the first 10 minutes. And I think Ottawa lost like 3 nothing. Oh, and yeah. It was just, it was probably one of their worst games of the year. And it was just, <laughs> it's like I said, right? It's a, it's a clear divide between those two teams. So if the purpose of the draft lottery is to give teams a chance to get better, especially in a draft like this where it's deep. Mm-hmm. Like the what? first 15 picks are all very strong. Yeah, all the, of the first 15 picks all have the potential to make the NHL rosters at a camp, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't think that's unfair to say. I think even I think you could even go as far to say that as as to say the top 5 or 6 guys that get taken will make their teams at a camp. I unless, don't see unless like a, a team in the situation of Ottawa or something like that don't need to rush a player, but they all sure. could easily walk into an NHL uh, training camp and feel NHL ready and yeah. uh, make it, di- well, look like they belong. Yeah. But if you're Ottawa, like I, you know, I don't see the benefit of any team sending Alexi Lafreniere back to junior. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> he's he's here like, forever. It's great. Yeah. I don't see it. I, I, 
I, I've seen some say that they want to see Quinton Byfield play another year in junior, but I don't think I don't think that's necessary. You know, you could do it, but if I could, I'd send him to the A because I think that's where he's gonna really flourish. Is he just needs to? Yeah, learn but even how to play against bigger bigger players. Yeah, so the, my only knock on Byfield is sometimes when I watch him, it just looks like he's so much stronger than other players. I want to see how he can handle himself against people as strong as him. Yeah, and I think that's just going to take him a season, and then he'll he'll be good. For sure, and I've talked to a lot of people who watch him and you know watch the Sudbury Wolves, just having connections back home, right? And and uh, the one thing that they say is he is an all-world talent. He has skill like they've never seen. Uh, that combination of that much size and that much skill is something that is just so rare, especially in today's NHL. It's just the one thing he needs to do is learn how to use his size. Mm-hmm. Like the kid doesn't understand that he's like six five two twenty or whatever. <laughs> he is. He's huge, right? He's a monster. Oh, so, yeah. so if he learns to use that physicality, he's going to bully people. That's one of the things that Alexi Lafreniere took a step from this year, right? Like, if you, even if you, at the World Juniors, the, how briefly we saw him, he was throwing his weight around. He was um, he was causing turnovers by using his physicality, and he's a smaller guy than Byfield. So if Byfield can learn to do that, like, there's no reason he's not going to dominate. He's going to be Evgeny Malkin 2.0. Like, yeah. that's that's how I see him turning out. And Malkin's a guy who doesn't get all the credit he deserves because he plays with Crosby, right? I think he acts like a dummy a lot of the time. Like, <laughs> drives me nuts, like running guys from running guys and cross-checking guys from behind, and that's just from you know an unfortunate little over a decade being an Ottawa fan. But <laughs> but you know Evgeny Malkin, if the Penguins don't have Sidney Crosby, Malkin is their franchise player. Every and single team would want Malkin. There's no team that would say, mm, no, we've already got a player that fits the bill. He no. is he is a unique talent in the league right now. And I agree. I think Byfield has the ability to get to his level, if not even push it even a little bit farther, just because I think that he has more uh, speed than Melkin does at the, at the same age. I always found Melkin in his first couple of years looked like he was a little bit uh, lost in trying to play on the, the smaller ice surfaces and fit in on... Uh, against other large opponents where I think Byfield has, uh, doesn't have that same level of, I look lost in North America as Malkin did. Yeah. So I'm well, hoping I want, I want Byfield like, ugh. yeah, keep going. Sorry. I'm going to go off on a tangent. No, it's all good. I want, <laughs> like, I see Byfield as, as a, the new generation of Malkin, you know, like Evgeny Malkin's a guy who's played what 15 years in the national hockey league now. So, you know, so when you factor in that Quentin Byfield is just getting drafted in 2020 after Evgeny Malkin's already played roughly a decade and a half in the NHL, you're going to see that kind of transition to a more speed skill type player, right? Even Connor McDavid is a much different style of player than Sidney Crosby, right? Like if you're talking the generational guys that have been picked in the last 20 years or so. So, and even Nathan McKinnon too, right? Like McKinnon is a guy who... I don't know if he would have struggled, say, 15 years ago, but or he, but he wasn't the style of player at the time. Like, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The evolution of the league. For sure, and it's and it's something that really started with Crosby, right? Like, like you've seen more Crosby-style players since Crosby dra- was drafted. Like, who was really a Crosby-style player before Crosby? You know, a guy who is just I I I. I 
want to say almost perfect possession wise, <laughs> just an unbelievable amount of skill, just elite skating, like just this all around talented player with such high end skill. Like who was the last back one to, to Gretzky on right. that? Just one of those things where you're like, uh, he does everything right, but they're different players. For sure. Like you, you put them on opposite ends of the ice. They're both going to walk away with probably five points a night back in the eighties, but they're going to get them in completely different ways. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I like I like Byfield a lot, man. Like, especially for a team like Ottawa that needs a center. Yeah, like, well, like this is this is what's driving me nuts. Is there's no way that you don't pick Lafreniere first. He is no. out of this world. But I I find it so hard to pick between Byfield and Stutzel. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm almost to the point where I would rather uh, lose the first overall pick and just get both of them, so that we're not gonna have the next five years of. That would be great. That would be great. Um, yeah, because I think they're both, they're completely different players. They both uh, bring uh, eliteness in different categories. Like if you watch Stutzel in some of his games, he, I don't know how he's, how he sees the plays he sees. It's like he's oh. got Eric Carlson vision, but Hosa hands. And it, it, it's just weird. It's this weird, like hybrid of humans of elite hockey players for Stutzel that all come together in this kind of awkward way of playing, but it just makes everyone around him just seem like they're fantastic players. And this is, I know this is like German league highlight videos I'm watching, right. but I just want to see what he can do in the NHL so bad. Cause it's one of those things where I think that he has this ability to, to just change, like kind of talking about hockey evolution. I think he'll be a very kind of uh, pivotal player in the way that, the game is going to evolve in the next 10 years. And I don't know if that means that he's going to be better than Byfield or even Lucas Raymond, who uh, is one of those people that people are going to complain about if Ottawa picks, Mm -hmm. Uh, which I will, if Stutzel's on the table and we pick Raymond, (laughs) uh, I will complain a hundred percent. But I think that he just sees the game in a different way than anyone else. And it has a ceiling to be a top three NHL player. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a hard time arguing with that. I think the one, you know, difference I would say that I see in those two guys is I think Byfield's ceiling is higher just because he's younger and he has so much more untapped potential, especially as he matures physically, whereas Stutzel is the more pro-ready guy. And um, a six-foot-five center is, there's like, I'm trying to think of how many six, like, tall centers. we got Logan Brown, who... Yep. I will always hold out hope. We'll wake up one morning and be like, hey, I figured it out and yeah. become the player that we think he's going to be. But after that, who else is... You have Eric Lindros, who... There's a lot to Lindros. I could complain about Lindros for ages. Screw you for saying no to the Sioux. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, who would say yes to the Sioux is my question. Hey, hey, we, we got... We, that's, a, that's Gretzky. Gretzky was a, a hell of a greyhound. You got Joe Thornton, Razor Ray Emery, uh, who else came out of there recently? I'm trying to think. Uh, you got Jake Muzzin. <laughs> Just think about du- the the Leafs. Like a good eighth of them are from uh, from Dubas's uh, Greyhound days. No, That's no, the, the the Greyhounds they got they got a lot of problems. And the Sioux uh, the Sioux's a place. The Sioux's definitely a place. <laughs> <laughs> it's Shelbyville. Are you saying? Are you trying to say Sudbury is Springfield? Because uh, I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if that's singing uh, great praise for Sudbury either. Hey, you know what? I think Springfield might be perfect because it's <laughs> because it's not because um, it's not the best place to live. But damn, if we don't love it. <laughs> but 
But I think the Lindros comparison is interesting. Uh, you know, it's that same kind of rough style of player, just a huge dude with, you know, skill that should be in a guy half his size. I think Byfield has the potential to be a better skater than Lindros. I think he already and, is a better skater than Well, Lindros probably, is. yeah. Well, compa- <laughs> comparing guys from the 90s, right? Like, it's not necessarily fair. Like, you can probably find most junior players that are better skaters than <laughs> the majority of players in the 90s, right? Yeah. But, but yeah, like, I think, I think I that's a good... I think his attitude in junior... Like, Lindros is one of those players who, like the Dags, like even Yakupov, who never had to work hard. To be the best. It was Mm -hmm. just, it came natural to them. And then when you get transplanted into the NHL, uh, sure, you can be a great player. But when you don't have that extra gear to push yourself, you don't have the the Carlson attitude in the playoffs to just be like, no, 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 we're doing this right now. Oh, yeah. Kind of thing is you never get to your full potential. And Byfield, like, if you listen to Byfield interviews or sound bites, like, I want to see this kid with confidence. Like, he knows he's good. He doesn't know how good he is. And I want him to know how good he is, but also still keep this humble attitude. And that's uh, that's that might be my favorite part about Byfield, mm-hmm. is I have no worries about him as a as a person walking into an NHL room, and fitting in and working hard. Yeah, everyone I've talked to who's actually like had dealings with him says he's a spectacular kid, like great head on his shoulders, just an intense desire to win which he's not going to get playing for the Sudbury Wolves, you know, <laughs> but, but yeah, but like, you know, he's, he's a great kid and they love him. And you mentioned Logan Brown, which what a center core that would be if Brown can figure it out on any level. Right. Like, like even if he molds himself into a good second line center, yep. like that's, that's Byfield, that's Brown, that's Colin, Colin White, White and Josh Norris. Like oh, you yeah, almost, you many. almost have, yeah, like you have guys playing on the fourth line then who shouldn't be playing on the fourth line necessarily, right? Like Colin White spent a lot of time in the bottom six this year, but for my money, he's a good second line center and he will continue to be as he grows, right? He had a rough start to the season with some injuries and stuff. But, and that's, you know, we're talking, in talking about Brown, that's something I don't get with Senators fans and it's something that I've, you know, seen and heard since I was really young. Like, you can go back to Jason Spezza. It's this unwillingness to put up with anything other than perfection from these centers. Yeah, or wait for growth. Even a guy like Spezza. These young centers. And don't get me wrong, Spezza, when he was in a couple of his years, was an idiot on... up in the uh, the NHL, like he had no awareness of who was around him. His no. passes were wild, but it was because he was 20 years old. Like it takes a long time to get it together. And people are asking, people were calling for Colin White to be traded. Why? What, no, we're not going to get something better than Colin White for Colin White right now. I know that no. sounds kind of weird to to phrase that way, but he still has the potential of becoming a really good shutdown center. I I saw. Him many moments this year where his positioning was forcing shots on the outside. He was not letting anyone break up through the center on power plays and stuff like that. And that's not stuff that comes easily to a player. Yeah. His (laughs) offensive time took a plummet from last year, but it's because he was focusing on little things on the defensive zone. And our team is garbage. Like I don't see, he's not a play driver. He is not, he's not the center that you're going to get. That's going to, dance in, hold the puck, make a beautiful play. But he is he is not a black hole. 
he is going to be in the right place at the right time, and he is also going to cover a lot of mistakes. Yeah, forgive, forgive the guy for seeing a regression in points when Mark Stone <laughs> was taken off his wing. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and like and like when he spent less time playing with Brady Kachuk and had a knee injury or a lower body injury at the beginning of the year. You know, like he was estimated, I think it was to be out in the neighborhood of three to five weeks when he first got hurt. And he was back in conservatively two weeks. Yeah. And and people seem to think that he's okay, that he's a hundred percent recovered. Listen, man, I, I, I play I played football. You're never a hundred percent recovered if you're coming back in two weeks. Oh, if, you, if like, you've had if you've had any injury of consequence, right? Like, like, like I there's hurt no my way. shoulder years ago, and I'm not 100 recovered, and it's been like six years. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, like I've got a laundry list of things yeah. that I'm still feeling after being removed from football for almost two years now. Wait until you're above the tender age of 22. Oh, I can't wait. Downhill man. from here. I know. I'm trying. To, <laughs> I'm doing lots of yoga yeah, though. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> But, but, uh, but yeah, so like, and that's the thing with the center position too, that people who are just casual observers or even not, not even just casual observers, just don't understand the tactics of playing hockey. Center is such a difficult position to play. It is arguably the position that has the most end-to-end responsibility of any position on the ice. You have responsibility in front of your own net and down below your own goal line and in front of the other team's net down below in front of their, and behind their goal line. What other position has that kind of responsibility, right? Like if you're a winger in the defensive zone, you're mainly focused on making sure the points are covered. Defensemen play down below their own net, but don't usually go past the other team's blue line. Like what other position has end-to-end responsibility like that? And now you factor in that a guy like Colin White is – Colin White's only a year older than me, right? Like he's only – he's, he's going to be 23 this year. Yeah. Uh, same thing – same can be said of Logan Brown, right? Oh, yeah. Logan Brown I, I think is my age. So, so you're expecting this kid to have fully matured into an NHL player at 22 and 23. Man, I'm 22 and I, I can't even grocery shop properly <laughs> half the time. So, so how do you expect these kids to be NHL centers right away? You know, like it's 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 it boggles my mind. Like it does happen. You do get the the special of case course. that can walk in yeah. 19, 20 and just run with it. That was never Colin White. No. Like, that was never Colin White's projection. His projection is basically what it is right now. And the problem was he put up 41 points last year, and that was fantastic. But instead mm-hmm. of people being like, wow, I can't believe that Colin White is at 70 points in his first two full seasons. Uh, instead, it's like, wow, he's uh, really taking a step back. Yeah. And people talk about his contract. What? It's like 4.5, I think. Is it 4.5 million? Yeah, so me... I think it's 4.75. Like, yeah, it's it's that's nothing for the yeah. senators. It's like, sub sure, five million. It, like, what's the difference? Is like, okay, maybe he should have had three point two five. Are you really? Do you really think one point five million is going to matter for the senators at all between now and twenty twenty five? Not even close. I don't even care if we are on unparalleled success uh, trajectory. Like, that is not what we need. What anyone needs to care about. No, definitely not. And and that's and it's funny what you said about him putting up that many points in his first two seasons. Like he yeah. put up how many? You said seventy points for the, the first two seasons. Uh, and that's, yeah, seven. Or he did forty-one points last year and twenty-three points this year. So a little less than seventy, but still like sixty-four right. points in like one hundred and thirty games or something like that. Yeah, like that's that's nothing to sneeze at, man. Like. <laughs> 
especially when you consider Brady Kachuk, right? Like even yeah. like Brady, who is going to be an elite player, Brady's only put it, put up 89 points through his first two seasons, right? So Colin White is not far off from being that top six forward level of player. Like I, I like there's no I, if Colin White's my second line center of the future, I'm comfortable with that. Yeah, oh, you know? absolutely. Like he does have the high end skill. We saw it in his first year in that game against Florida where he dangled around their whole team and scored a highlight real goal. Like he, like he has the capability to be this level of player. But you got to give the kid a chance. And that's the thing that really pissed me off through the entire year was nobody talked about the injury. Oh, right? No. Like, and he, ignored it. Yeah. And isn't it interesting that he didn't really start to hit his stride until after Christmas when he had like a week off of not playing hockey? You know, like, I'm sure that's just a coincidence. Like, <laughs> you know, like, give the guy a chance to heal and he's back. I don't know why they rushed him back in the first place if he wasn't healthy. Like, this well, season yeah. was crap shoot I bet it anyway. was something to him himself, too, because he had Guaranteed. that injury, was it two years ago? I don't think he wants to be known as the injury guy, which no. I can get. No player wants that, and especially when you're young and trying to prove yourself. You yeah. don't want to be, oh, he's always injured. So you, if it's just something that you can play through, you're going to play through it. Not that that's the smart decision, but mm. that's what I think he he did. I think he, he, in his mind, was like, I had that horrific injury two years ago. This is my year to prove myself. I'm only going to miss five games. And then he came back, and I don't even think he was terrible. He was, he was oh. ab- above my expectations uh defensively and below my expectations offensively very average of what i thought colin white would be and if that was playing through a uh an injury that's fantastic yeah absolutely if if your problem is colin white in his second full year pro isn't hitting the the offensive numbers you wanted that's fine like mm-hmm. there are many more teams. Look at Minnesota. Look at these other teams that have that would love to have a problem. Like, hey, one of our later round first round picks isn't quite to the level that we thought he might be this year. Yeah. Like, uh, they they would love that. They would even, love. It. Yeah. Even Thomas Shabbat, who had somewhat of an offensive regression this year. If you look at his isolated impact on HockeyViz.com, it is unbelievable. He took a positive step defensively this year. Oh, absolutely. Like, and that's playing with Nikita Zaitsev instead of Dylan DeMello. <laughs> you know what? As much as I defend Zaitsev, I think a lot of the hate he gets is a little unfair. He's a black hole in the defensive zone. I, his, his defensive impact is atrocious. So for Shabbat to take a positive, his numbers to improve to this year, that's ridiculous. Like, who like, cares if he didn't put up as many points? We know Thomas Shabbat is going to put up points. When this team gets better and when he gets a supporting cast around him, he gets a number one center, he gets a scoring winger, it's going to be gross how many how much, how many goals he scores, especially when the Senators are spending less time in their end. Oh, that's so, exactly it. That's the part that I, when people were kind of, well, no one really hated on Shabbat, which was nice. Yes, uh, there, Well, there, there was a lot of people who were like, oh, he's not to what we thought he would be. Uh, kind of the same sort of thing for Colin White, but it wasn't like, I'm thinking back to some of the Carlson era. Oh, uh, yeah hate which was just like this guy is doing everything like how how are you upset that he was a little weak defensively when we won 4-2 yeah like, oh, come on come on people like you gotta take a step back go ahead right into uh right into the ottawa sun get your your blurb posted or whatever you need about <laughs> carlson that's fine uh i wasn't seeing the same with shabbat which i was very happy with but like look at the look at the senators this year versus last year like there is <laughs> like our team is garbage 
comparatively. We had our star power plummeted. Great for uh, JG Pajot. So happy for him. But if if that's the player that's really pushing your your goals and your possession like that, you're not a team that's really ever going to compete. No. And yes, it's a garbage stat. Shabbat was only negative six lower yeah. this year than last year. You know and what? Oh, that oh, a garbage stat. Yes, but like that just speaks for itself for how good he was this year defensively. It is a garbage stat, but it does tell you something. You yeah. know, like Dylan Demello's plus minus. I think it was last year was the same thing. Like, the guy didn't get scored on a lot. You know, if you're not on the ice for a lot of goals on, or even, like, even if you have a positive, especially if you have a positive differential, when you're on the team that gives up the most goals in hockey, <laughs> that's pretty good. You know, like, that's that's something to that's something to consider. And, you know, like, they talk about trading DeMello, and Ottawa shouldn't have traded DeMello. I don't think they should have, but... I also heard that his, and this is not gospel by any means, right? More like gossip than gospel. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I heard his contract demand was much more than Ottawa wanted to give up. Like I, like I heard it was in the neighborhood of something like, I, I, oh geez, I don't even know. But I heard it was like too much for Ottawa to pallet. And if that's the case, so be it. You know, like get what you can. But I, I'm in the same but, boat for kind of like what I was talking about with. Uh, Colin White's 4.75. If, if, like, we're not going to be good for the next two years. No, so giving, giving DeMello 4 million for two years doesn't make any sense. Like, let him walk, let him pick the team he wants to play on, which a player like him, he has the rights to do so. He Mm -hmm. proved himself in Ottawa, and after San Jose's not qualifying him and then no one picking him up and coming back. All the respect to him, and I hope wherever he lands, he's paid fair, and he plays great, because I think he's a, a hilarious guy, and I, I'm very appreciative for what he did with Ottawa. Oh, he was great. <laughs> and, and, that's, and that's the thing, too, right? Like, you know, we do talk about the salary thing, and the fact that Ottawa is not exactly up against the cap, but if you think about what their situation is going to be in a few years— when, you know, even Brady Kachuk is going to need a new contract by next year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whoever their top two picks are going to need probably new contracts in the next three to four years. So you do have to start planning for that. Because if all goes according to plan, you know, like if you get an Alexi Lafreniere, you think he's making less than $8 million for the next for, <laughs> for his first big contract? I don't. No, you know? easy eight. Eight to ten. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even a guy like Byfield or a guy like Stutzel. That's, those gonna, guys are going to make... There's seven plus. All, yeah. All the, like, the whole top five, doesn't matter, are going to be being paid seven plus. Yeah, and, if, and, it, and even if you take it further than that, like, what's Drake Batherson's next contract going to look like? What's Josh Norris's next contract going to look like? Alex Formington. Oh, Connor uh, Brown. Brand- Connor Brown. Connor yeah. Brown. I, I would give him easy 4.5 to 5 for the next three, four years. Yeah, right? you gotta you gotta pay him more than Colin White for sure. <laughs> but but I think definitely he's I would that's a guy. He is one of the few guys who right now I would say is a must sign for yeah. Ottawa. Yeah. Like that is a guy that is gonna win you playoff rounds when this oh. team is ready to compete. Do you remember last year against Boston, the fits he was giving them before he blew his knee? Like, oh, he was probably Toronto's best forward through most of that series. Easily. He was so impactful in both ends of the ice. 
And now you factor in that experience. You factor in that he's going to be a veteran player. You can employ him defensively in this kind of checking shutdown role against against other teams' top lines. He'll chip in with some secondary scoring. Connor Brown is a must to lock up long term. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, it's hard to know where he stands just because I think he's such a uh, good Canadian guy, a kid, as uh, the media would call him, with all of his his blurbs and all of his discussions with the media he keeps his cards so close to his chest it feels like he's happy in ottawa Mm -hmm. he likes the increased role he likes uh being a player not in toronto but i think he still misses playing in toronto hometown of course and they're actually competing for things but i think he does appreciate the fact that he can be a leader on this team when the senators are ready to compete are ready to push uh and i love if he would sign a four-year contract but I could also understand if he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think that was one. That's one of the thing, reasons that hiring DJ Smith ended up being a good thing, oh, right? Yeah. I was I was critical of that hiring at the time. I was not sure about it. I wanted Brad Shaw, but at the end of the day, you look at a guy like Smith. I have loved his messaging. I have loved the way that he's played the kids for the vast yeah. majority of the season. <laughs> I've loved that nobody rides for free. Bobby Ryan got his ass parked on the bench early in the season when he wasn't performing up to par. Logan Brown got his ass parked on the bench when he was not performing up to par. So right there, you see that this is a guy that's forging a culture on this team, right? I keep saying it. Nobody rides for free. You make $7 million a year, you're not performing up to par, sit on the bench. You're a rookie, not performing up to par, sit on the bench, right? Like, so... And then you factor in that he has a relationship with these guys from Toronto, guys like Ron Hainsey, guys like Connor Brown. And... That right there, so that right, so that right away gives you pull in the locker room, you know, if you have guys like that who respect you, and I think even a guy like Ron Hainsey is going to help because I don't see a scenario where, whenever Ron Hainsey retires, whether that's this summer or next year, probably next year by the looks of it, I don't see a situation where, where he's not an assistant coach in Ottawa. You know, yeah. I, I, I really think that's going to happen. Like DJ Smith said this year that having Hainsey out there is like having another assistant coach, right? So that's why, in my mind, if you want to bring him back for another season, um, it's not the worst idea in the world to me, right? Like, realistically, no how many... No multi-year contracts, which no, 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 anyone no. at 39, that, that rule goes. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's... He might not look the greatest on the ice, there are times where you're like, okay, I, I see which I can clearly see which player is Ron Hainsey just by For the way sure. that they're moving. But he, it, it's invaluable that sort of experience in the locker room, especially after we lost basically every single veteran yep. that uh, that we had, and the fact that there was a lot of locker room issues going on in the sense for the last three years, yep. even if we were never fully privy to that information. Having a person like Hainsey who has a cup, who has played on some real good teams and some real garbage teams. He knows it all and he knows what to say and when to say it. Yeah. I think that that is an important, uh, important person to have in the room. And you're right. You know, he's, he's not going to look the greatest on the ice, but for an Ottawa team that is probably not going to be competing for a playoff spot next year, who gives a shit? Yeah, right. Exactly. Like, exactly. Like, like you realistically, is he going to be taking playing time from any of Ottawa's defense prospects? I see one, uh, one rookie coming up next year and uh, carving an NHL spot for them, and that's Eric Brandstrom. 
Like, yeah. I, Christian Milano to me is already an NHL player. Absolutely. Um, you know, like, Lassie Thompson, maybe. He's going to need – he'll be call-ups. I think for Thompson, we're going to oh, yeah, see sure. him, like, 10 games next year easy. But yeah. he needs to play in the AHL. He needs to figure out the, the North American hockey. game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then make his transition here. And when he does, I'm super pumped because that guy has a shot that uh, reminds me of Sammy Sallow. Yeah, exactly. Something – it's crazy how, how hard he hits it, how quick. What are these fins? Do right? I mean, yeah. yeah, it's like you think about uh, Line A. Yeah, and it's just these these rockets. Is that what all their like their youth training program is? Is okay. as hard <laughs> as you can shoot? Because I'm here for it. I'm digging it. That's why the Finnish goaltenders are so good. That's why you have <laughs> and UC Saros and Uko Pekalukinen, right? Like, hey, that's not bad. Good job. That's I a, that's a that was just like right off the tongue. There was no hesitation. Yeah, not practice. Bad. <laughs> I practice, man. I go to I go to Lanawa's, the Finnish bakery in Sudbury. It's best pastries oh, yeah. you'll ever have in your life, and I say Kitos every time, every time. <laughs> what's up? What's up with Northern Ontario and it, like the the large amount of Finnish uh, people? You know what? There? I think I don't know. Um, <laughs> like I'm my, sure there's a reason. Yeah, my dad. I think it's the mining and the forestry, probably. Because um, you, you go know. to Sioux, every house is a sauna. Yeah. Oh, there's a Finnish population, and who doesn't like a sauna? Like, it yeah. makes perfect sense. Like, Finnish saunas are way better than any other saunas. Oh, so yeah, man. My, great, my, great, my great-grandfather's last name was Jokinen. Oh, oh, see, this is uh, this is how it's so good on your tongue. Oh, yeah. You got the there we go. Okay, <laughs> I, I figured I had it out. both sides of my family, right? <laughs> um, my dad's family's originally from Finland. Oh, yeah, Mackie, uh, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's all coming together. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think, I think that has to do with that has to do with it. I think it's just the heritage of, you know, the, the way Finland's climate is. Um, it's very similar to Northern Ontario. Finnish people like to be, you know, it's it's a common stereotype that Finnish people like to be left alone in the woods, um, <laughs> which I can relate to uh, very strongly. Um, but the funniest thing I ever heard was um, I coached football down here in Toronto and uh, at, a, at a local high school, and I was having beers with the other coaches one day. And they ran into their buddy, so we're all, you know, kind of chewing the fat. And this is a guy who grew up in northern Ontario. And when he was young, uh, he ran into some Finlanders at school, right? And he goes home to his mom, and he goes, Mom, you know, there are these new kids at school, and they talk funny. And uh, <laughs> and his mom goes, yeah, those are Finlanders. And then there's this pause, and she looks at him and says, don't fuck with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Leave, leave them be. They're yes. good. <laughs> <laughs> like they're because that's the thing, right? It's like it's the Finnish toughness, and you've seen that in a lot of players. Like, like even t- even a guy like Timu Solani, who we don't love so much in Ottawa, right? Like, All you right. know, from it's, it's long enough. I think uh, I think I can forgive. Timu Is it though? <laughs> <laughs> like, right know. now, all of my hate is still to Chris Kunitz. Yes. And I every morning I wake up and I put another pin in the voodoo doll. <laughs> I think about that too much. That's Man. I, just wanna, I just want to know what would have happened if we scored. Oh, like, what would this sense be? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, there was the Preds were a broken team. They were horrible. Like, I have not seen a team that out of place in the Stanley Cup Finals. You know what? They were the so good. They were so good through the first three rounds. But they had a war of a series against – who's it they played in the Western Final? It was, it was the Ducks, eh? I think it was the Ducks. Because yeah. Vegas beat Winnipeg in the conference final the yes. year after. But yeah, it, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, so I think it was Anaheim. 
But they had a war of a series against Winnipeg. They had a war of a series against Anaheim. They get to the final. Johansson was out. Fisher was hurt, but still playing. Uh, they had so many injuries across the board. And Rene just, the wheels fell off. Oh, he's, so, they, didn't, they didn't do enough uh, load management the, <laughs> on, yeah. on their old goalie that year. He played so many games. Yep. And, same thing that's always happened to Lugfist. Why he never is as good in the, the third round and the Stanley Cup finals in the playoffs is because he's an older goalie when his teams were good in front of him. Mm-hmm. And he plays like sixty freaking games a year. Like you got, you can't do that to these players, and especially for the, and especially for the Predators. It doesn't make oh, sense yeah. when you have a capable backup, right? Yes. Like Lucy <laughs> Saros is good enough to be the starter on that. I was team. gonna say there's there's probably twenty teams that would love Saros as their starter. Yeah. But I guess you know you give it to Rene. He's he's uh, earned it, and it would it would have been cool to see him hoist the cup because screw the Pens, but like. The West was so much better than the East that year, and they ate each other up, which would have been the best way for Ottawa to dance in. And you know what would have been the best to me? Every single Toronto fan or Montreal fan who's like, oh, you only won because the Predators were injured. And I could be like, yeah, who cares? Oh, yeah. I <laughs> like, probably right, but we still no, have a cup, you dummies. Yeah. Like, oh. Nashville's blue line was scary good, and that was yeah. about the only thing – real threat they had like they had like the one interesting in that thing in that series would have been Yossi and Subban and Ekholm and Ellis against (laughs) Mathot, Carlson, Phaneuf and CeCe right like yeah that that would have been the one area where I didn't feel Ottawa matched up well but Stone was finally getting healthy and you saw that at the end of the Pittsburgh series he almost scored in game six he scored in game seven um, so Stone was starting to heat up again. Carlson looked. Carlson was looking better um, than he did in the Rangers series. Um, Otto was getting healthy, and they were getting hot at the right time. And Hoffman was starting to score again. Yeah, he didn't score until Game Six of the Pittsburgh series, but he was a beauty when he did. You know, like, and that's and that's the thing, right? And that's what's tough about that series to look back on is you knew they would have won. And it was such a weird feeling when Kunitz scored because it felt wrong, you know? It, like, like, like going into that game... Anaheim series, I knew after game two. Like, yeah. I think we won game two, or did we win game three? Oh, we won game, we won game one and then won game three, yeah. Yeah, so it Ottawa. was... Yeah. Oh, I thought, did we get make it six games in 2007? 2007? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm going sorry. back to yeah, I'm going no, back to the Anaheim uh, no, final. Sorry. No, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I got screwed up. No, 07 was five games. They won game yeah. three, and yeah. then they even they lost after the other game four. three, we won. And I remember thinking, I'm like, there is no chance we do this three more times. No. I, no. I remember just looking at this and being like, there is this game. It was good to win. There is a zero percent chance that we are winning any more games against and them. you know what? It's too damn bad because people look at that series like it was a blowout. In a lot of ways, it was. But the only game that Ottawa lost by more than one goal was game five, yep. right? They lost yeah. 3-2 in game one. They lost one nothing in game two. They lost 3-2 in game four. And then they lost, and then the wheels fell off in game five and they lost 6-2, right? But the, the, pro- the problem was, even though they were one goal games, it was it was all Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Like it was a blowout in the sense of Anaheim was in the driver's seat every time, but any game could have gone anyway because one shot is one shot and that's all you need. Yeah. Uh, but it it never looked like we were on the same level as them. Whereas for Pittsburgh, 
there was a huge portion of that series where Ottawa was outplaying them in every single way. We were outplaying their puck movement. We were outplaying in a system sense. Anderson was unreal. The worst thing we could have done was light flurry up so that they put in uh, Matt Murray, who for some yeah. reason could only be a good goalie for two years. And then every time I've drafted him in a hockey pool, he's garbage. <laughs> Yeah, I had a weird feeling after they pulled after they switched out the goalies yeah. too. I was like, oh, this might not be good. This might that's, be what Pittsburgh needed. That's but, exactly what I felt there. Well, but, because Murray was coming off a friggin' rookie season uh, Stanley Cup. Yeah. I, think about that. This guy's been watching Flurry for the last two or three series, just wanting to get back in. I knew he was good. Yeah, I don't think he was all that good when he did play. I thought he was a, a more than serviceable. I thought he was fine, but I knew that was going to change the energy up. Well, well even I went, yeah, going into game six, I was nervous because they had gotten just shit pumped the game before, right? Like, I remember I was at work that game and I had PBR'd it because I think that one was an afternoon game, right? So I was getting all ready to watch it after I got home and I got home. My dad said, don't watch it. Like, <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. that bad? And he's like, yeah. He's like, oh yeah, like worse than, worse than that. So, so obviously I didn't watch Game six, after they won it, uh, I was like, okay, this can happen. Yeah. You know? Like, I was like, there's no reason they can't go into Pittsburgh, win another game, and then go to the final. Yeah. And especially, ap- especially after Dezingle tied it, right? Like, it was like, okay, like, this is their game to win now. It felt like it was scripted. It did. It felt yeah. like it was in the cards. The hockey gods were, were giving us a path. And then when Kunitz scored, which, you know what, you watch that over time, it was all Pittsburgh. It was, what? The they had a lot of chances. They, just, they were they were driving play, but even then, at no point was I ever like, oh, no, no. I was like, someone's going up that ice. Stone's going to get it in, or Carlson's going to do something unbelievable again. I just I just believed. I thought it was going to be a bottom six guy like Stahlberg or Wingles <laughs> or someone who scored, you know? But yeah, yeah. Arkner triple overtime or what? No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 But that was, um, but yeah, man, like it just, and I remember saying to my dad the next day, I just looked at him. I said like, I am not okay in a way that I did not expect to be not okay. If they lost, <laughs> it's you know? because it was so close. Like, yeah. Let like, us lose for nothing. Let us yeah. get pumped in five minutes and be like, you know what? This team never should have been as, uh, this far. It was, Oh, I could still taste that stupid cup. Mm-hmm. And if we win that cup, what's our team today? I still think we have Carlson. I still think we have Guaranteed. 100%. I don't think any of the, the locker room stuff would have gone to the same levels as it did here. There's Probably no way. Still have Boucher, which who knows? Yeah, that's the <laughs> one thing, right? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't get – Boucher, unfortunately – lost his mind in the seasons afterwards because he was unreal for us in his first season. He, he brought was. in systems that Ottawa needed really badly, and there's still little parts of it that we still do. Well, like, he played to their strengths, right? Like, Ottawa was not going to light anybody up offensively, but they had forward depth that a lot of other teams didn't have, especially when you make those trades for Stahlberg and Wingles, right? Like, Ottawa had one of, if not the deepest forward core in that oh, yeah. playoff, right? Their, their blue line was atrocious, they had they had like a pairing and a half. And, <laughs> when Dion Phaneuf is one of your better defensemen, you know you're in trouble. Yes, that that pairing gave me nightmares. And like you said, Anderson was playing out of his oh. mind, right? I like, wish Anderson at one point in his career had a team with defense. Me he too. Is, 
never played for a good defensive hockey team, and he has great numbers. I think that he is one of the most underrated goalies in the last 15 years. Yeah. Like he oh, absolutely. Killed, uh, Colorado into the playoffs that, yeah, that won, season. He won 200 games with the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, <laughs> with some pretty bad Ottawa Senators. That's like, a team that... Like, oh, yeah, 200 games with the Senators, sure. But that's thinking back to the 2000s when we were actually respectable. This that's has been team, the yeah. worst Senators, and he's still putting up 20 wins a season. Yeah, that's a team that's been... That in his tenure got past the first round of the playoffs twice. <laughs> yeah. Right? And this first time they did it, they got waxed by Pittsburgh. Right? Uh, so, uh, yep. So I remember going into that series, like, there's no way. Like, going into the 2017 series against Pittsburgh, everyone was telling me, like, oh, they're going to lose. And I'm like, oh, like, you never know. Like, this, is a, this team's got a chance the way they're playing. Yeah. But that series in 2013, I was like, oh, this is going to be ugly. <laughs> that was, was that? That was Montreal, right? That was when we beat. That Montreal. was when they beat up the on Rangers. Montreal for five games. Yeah. No, exactly. they, they didn't beat the Rangers. They lost to the Rangers in seven. Yeah, that's what it was. That was that's what it was. Yeah, hit the post, lost two one in game seven. Yeah, and that was Mark Stone's first uh, NHL real taste, and he had that amazing assist. Was it on the Spezza goal? And then yeah, they, yeah. exactly. And then, and then they he, sat him. Which, like, it's pretty rough, but at the same time, I, I get it. He's a young kid and. Well, it's because Alf- it's because Alfredson was hurt that he got in, right? Yeah, exactly. So, and they are comparables. Like he, they played the same kind of role at that time. Yeah, yeah, and like and but at the time, Alfredson was just miles ahead of Stone, oh, right? Yeah. So yeah, so <laughs> like, like best franchise player or young rookie who has high promise. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of hard to uh, compare them. Yeah. Oh, man, now I'm sad. Yeah, could have been. Was- could have been. Why did we run through the last 10 years of Ottawa's <laughs> Why did we do that to ourselves? Even then, like, now on the positive side of things, like, you got to think about some of the cool stuff that us Ottawa fans have had to enjoy because there's been a bunch of bullshit. Uh, mm. But we've had the pesky sense. Yep. Like, that was such a fun season. That was Eric Condra looking like a really good NHLer who, you know what, you ask a lot of people on Sense Twitter, they're still going to say he could walk into the uh, the lineup and play, but... <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't think so, but I've I've always been the anti-Condra. Right. Uh, you had you had Weirkoch, who looked like he was gonna become a star. I love uh, Weirkoch. Like, oh, I, I was so mad at him because it looked like he forgot what he was good at in the seasons afterwards. Yeah. His transition puck game was so good, and he just stopped doing it. He was a really good second power play guy. He was what we thought Chris Weidman was. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Which is, again, it's too bad Weidman never got to the level. Yeah, him too. well, he got hurt, right? That hamstring injury kind of really yeah. hamstrung him, for a lack of a better <laughs> word. Right? Yeah, and then the, he, he got the scapegoat of the Uber video. Oh, yeah. Oh. Anyway. Oh, oh, but, so we got we had the pesky sense. Then we, we've had multiple playoff wins. Like, yeah, they suck when you get shellacked right after. But one of, again, one of them was against one of our bitter rivals. Yeah, that, that was my Stanley Cup. We're still memeing. We're still <laughs> memeing years later because it was so good with Player 61 and uh, and the the five fights, five wins, and Mika Zabinajad kicking a goal in that somehow counted. That is my favorite part. Yeah, that, that is should the not best part ever because it is just it's so egregious, and I love that we can post a gif to friggin. Brookshire whenever we want and I know that there's some part of his brain that's just like oh remembering <laughs> that moment then we have the Hamburglar run which transcends hockey 
Oh, that yeah. is that is a, a an elite sports experience. And that, yeah, we lost in the first round, but I remember every day getting so excited to watch the center to see if they could still do it, and they did. I remember going to the McDonald's drive-thru and crushing McDoubles, man. Hell like, yeah. Just because it felt like the right thing to do. You, know? like, <laughs> you had to. We were yeah. all in that part. I, I went to a, 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 the game against San Jose, and we I think we got scored on like once in the first five minutes. I was like, oh, am I going to see the game where the wheels come off? And then we got four goals in like 25 minutes, yeah. and it was just it was just pure Ottawa Senators perfection. And every and, game was a playoff game. Yeah, that's exactly it. We had 30 playoff games leading into that where Andrew Hammond was the star. Yep. I, re- I remember staying up and watching those West Coast games, texting my dad who was in Cuba, being like, ah, I got a feeling this might be real. Like, <laughs> watching the back-to-back shutouts against the West Coast at the time, powerhouses, I was like, this team does not look like the team at Christmas. Let's see no. what can happen. And sure enough, it did. But then, And then we had an East Coast, uh, East eastern conference final but the crazy part is that there's been so much more garbage that we've had to deal with the exodus of teams yeah. uh, of, of that our owner uh somehow every coach having one good season and losing their mind right after like it, it's such a the duality of being a sense fan is such a weird 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 thing i think that's a really great way of putting it Ugh. and now that we've dwelled on all that negativity do you want to lift some people's spirits with what you said you were going to do on this yeah, podcast? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. First, I want to just say thank you to everyone who did donate yes. any money at all to anything at all. Right now, I know uh, a lot of charities are hurting extra hard because they can't go out and fundraise. Events that they were having have been canceled. So even if anyone has five bucks to throw to anyone, do it. Yeah, and we, and we ended up raising a little over $250, which was... Uh, obviously more than our goal. So thank considering what this what like the prizes? Oh like, yeah. the fact that there's even <laughs> a dollar for this, like I should be paying people. Like I am not really prepared for this. Uh just I'm gonna preface 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 it with uh this is gonna be terrible and I'm sorry, Brandon. Yeah, well I'm sorry too. But we had uh we had a lot of different organizations that actually got donated to the Sadak Food Bank. Uh, I donated personally to the Canadian MS Society in honor of my grandmother, who's the most badass woman I've ever met. Uh, battles MS with a smile on her face every day. Love you, Granny. So that one's for you. Which one did you donate to again? Uh, I gave to Camp 10 Oaks, which is a LGBTQ plus uh, organization around, I don't exactly know where, but in Ontario. Uh, we had a speaker come in last year where I work, and he was just so passionate uh about just all the difference that it made for for the kids that get to go there and really experience community some of them coming from really small towns and not really ever feeling like they fit in and have weeks where they can just be happy and have fun it really hit hit me and i'm thinking about these poor kids who probably aren't going to be able to experience that this year so i thought about that and hopefully a couple of bucks that i threw over to them will make a difference to someone in 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 the run because that's uh that's pretty rough for these kids who look forward to that every year yeah, well, hopefully they listen to this and. I uh, hope they don't because. Son- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was gonna lead into something like that because this should be interesting. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Imagine if somebody decides to listen to one random episode of my podcast and they pick this one. 
yeah, well, like, you know what? You, you glance through a list and you're like, oh, yeah, okay, you get your people and you're like, oh, there's Matt Bossy the first time. I won't listen to that. And it's like, oh, <laughs> Ian Mendez, Haley, let's go. These are real good people. What the hell? Brock's on this? No, I'm going to listen to the Matt Bossler return edition because I know that's going to be quality. <laughs> that's actually, you know what? I feel better now. So. Yeah, <laughs> Well, I, I've got a little, like, there's a couple of things I want to say about the song first. Sure, sure. Is, uh, I've got, yeah, so the first time in 07, I skipped school because Belly was performing at City Hall, this song, where Alfredson was also up on the stage, just kind of standing awkwardly. Talk about it, dating yourself. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That was high school. I skipped it, and it was a horrible performance, and I remember just thinking, I'm like, I kind of wish I stayed at school. Like, that's, that's how, how boring it was. But the actual reason why this song is so kick-ass is uh, going back to the 17 run, uh, after the Sens beat the Rangers, I texted my buddy Joe Slowhands on, uh, on Twitter. We all know him. He's actually funny and puts out <laughs> good content. Uh, I texted him. I'm like, hey, you want to go downtown and party? And we both spent an hour being like, oh, we're old and it's a Tuesday. I don't know. But finally we pulled the, or like we pulled the cord and we're like, hell yeah, let's go downtown and party. But at that time it was Tuesday at 1030 at night and no one else was still partying. <laughs> so we just went to Sir John A's on Elgin street and uh, he's vegetarian. And we had Joe's brother, Steven, who's also awesome uh there and we were all starving but wanted to get stuff we could share that we could all eat so all i did was order hummus we got two to three hummus plates which is also why now whenever i go out with anyone from sense twitter i first thing i do when i sit down is get me a hummus plate even though i don't love hummus uh <laughs> and we ate that quietly in sir john a's and then we're like why don't we go to the airport and see the sense land because we saw the uh, the footage for when we beat uh boston in the first series i was like let's go do that again which is also i think i told the story on the first podcast freddie clayson uh dabbing, dabbing yeah. <laughs> and joe's little brother had never heard the song go sends go by belly so we just played that about three times on the ride to the airport and it's uh it's a fun fun memory so uh this one goes out to you steven uh and then the last thing is uh there are no good lyric sheets for this online. If you look up the lyrics, it's only half of the song, and I'm pretty sure they just use some program to listen to it and write the lyrics themselves. So I've had to I've had to listen to this song about ten times this morning oh, just to God. get the lyrics down. Also, the song's garbage. Like I knew it wasn't good when I first heard it, but after like practicing the rap once or twice, the pacing is off, and also the lyrics are terrible. It's so, good uh, for what it is. A oh, stupid it's song about a sports team probably written in five minutes right like go sense go oh. all right so uh i'm going to listen to it on my end uh just so that i have some sort of pacing uh so let me know if my headphones are too loud and it's getting picked up and you, you, you tell me when to go you tell me when to go whenever you're ready buddy all right oh well senators fans please stand up kenny b i told you this city was full of champions, baby. Mike Fisher got my homie Sugar Ray Emery. We, oh, I'm too fast. We go hard. We win. Belly with the Ottawa Senators. Champions, baby. Let's go. And now there's 20 seconds of just Belly going, go, go, sense, go. go. I'm not going to do it just because I don't think it fits all that well for my own personal musical style. <laughs> I, it, would, it would be cheapening my brand. 
right, I think uh, I think I'm on number eight here. Oh no, here's number eight. Go sends go is what you hear us roar. Loudest crowd in the world every time we score. This is six one three. Billy wrapping the boards. Slicker by the team. Matt Grant break your jaw. Nobody can beat us. It's the league leaders. That's what we call Heatley the heater. Chris Neal give you the fist. Alfie got the slap shot of the wrist. I like to call Spetsa Mr. Assist. Ray Emery the razor first. <laughs> that man's an animal, but nobody can cage him or tame him. And when the other team plays him, they wish Brian Murray would change him. Amazing. We got the top teams falling. They can't skating. They left crawling. No holding back. We're going all in. Tell our opponents about to go golfing. No series goes game seven. The best D, Volchenkov, Wade Redden, Corvo, <laughs> Phillips, man, we and Army. Ask my homie shoes, balling my, my homie Comrie. Y'all better surrender calmly, because we play hard and y'all play hardly. We bring it home the Stanley Cup this year. Blood, sweat, and tears, and we still here. Now there's another about 25 seconds of just go, sense, go. Uh, <laughs> If you ever can find it, Ian Mendez actually did a great Sportsnet piece on this song. Oh, my God. So I recommend everyone uh, have that going and still listening to me. I'll have to talk to Ian and see if he has it. <laughs> he has a link for it. That's amazing. Oh, no, there's still one or two more. Oh, we made it, so please don't doubt it. We came for the cup, and we ain't leaving without it. I know you heard all about it. The chant, crowd chant, go, sense, go, and we scream, we shout it. It's not easy being the best. It's a team thing, plus we got a beast in the net. Elfie proven why he got the C on his chest. Red lights flashing if you show Heatley the net. You don't want to face off with, with Vermette. Oh, has a monstrous check. I'm grinding like McCam and precision like Wade. Fans made me love this game. I don't think you're seeing the right picture. You can't keep up with the speed of Mike Fisher. Me and Razor are the same. Number one in the spot. Plus, we both stopped. Anyone trying to take shots? Pittsburgh gone. Jersey gone. Buffalo, you know, we had to send them all home. Coaches give them all lectures. We sent brand new records. Shout out Spencer, number one team. Welcome back, Eves. When it comes to scrapping, action, more than likely you're about to get a thrashing. When you bump into Neil McGrath, you might wake up like, someone told me what happened. We come crazy, 20,000 fans all standing up. And, uh, ain't nothing going to stop me. Uh, 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 yeah, from the Stanley Cup. <laughs> There we go. Thanks to everyone who donated for this garbage. This will be the last episode of Internal Budget. <laughs> Didn't you say that last time, too? If yeah, anything, last time I had you on, you the, the NHL season got canceled after. But so. then you got some really, really good people on afterwards. So what's going to happen next? Are you going to get, like, Elfie? Send him out some feelers? Ask if Elfie wants to do a piece on here? Maybe get a... a Oh, who's the old president? How, how am I forgetting his name? Yeah, I could see you getting a little bit of cereal up in this. If Alfie ever wants to lower himself to this podcast, I will. I would not say no. It would Alfie be very difficult to interview him while fanboying the entire time. <laughs> but Alfie played ping pong at one of the worst bars in Ottawa, the Cabin. So I could definitely see him coming onto this very respectable podcast. I appreciate that. Um, I think you're grossly overestimating my capabilities. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll see what I can do. I once saw him in a Bayshore shopping center and we both nodded at each other. So I think I've got an in. There's a connection there for sure. <laughs> okay. I think we better wrap this one up before something else horrible happens. Uh, <laughs> Bosty, thank you for coming on again, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you. Whenever uh, you need content, you just give me a call and I will just ramble for an hour. 
I will do that for sure. Where can the people find you one more time? Uh, at Matt Bosty on Twitter because someone has at Bosty and uh, they won't give me the tag. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's and uh, Brandon Mackey six because the person who has Brandon Mackey has tweeted about nine times in the last four years and that makes me really upset. Uh, Silver7Sends.com for the writing. Uh, folks, like the podcast, share the podcast with your friends. Maybe not this episode though. And subscribe to the podcast. Five we will stars. see you. five rated stars. Five rated stars. five stars. Please. Christoph Schubert stars. Cody CC stars. <laughs> rated five stars. And, and with any luck, we'll see you next week for episode 20. Take care, y'all.